a detailed proposal for doing or achieving something. That's the definition of the word plan. And as a church, there are some things we want to do. There's some things we want to achieve. And if that's the case, then we've got to have a plan to move forward toward those goals. This past um, few weeks, we've been talking about our theme as a church. Our theme as a church is, in 2013, to advance. Two weeks ago, we talked about advancing with purpose. Last week, we talked about advancing with the power of the Spirit, filling up our lives. And this morning, I want to talk about advancing with a plan, a specific, detailed proposal of how we're going to move forward and advance the kingdom of God in this year. Now, studying for this, it occurred to me that we plan for things that we really care about. For example, more planning went into my wedding day than went into what I was going to wear last week. Right? I mean, things that we really care about, we plan for and we prioritize. I want to talk about a plan, about things that we care about as a church. We're going to be in Luke chapter 24. Turn there with me. Luke chapter 24. We're going to begin reading in verse 44. Luke 24, verse 44. I'm going to ask you this morning, if you're physically able, to please stand with me in honor of the reading of the Word of God. The Bible says, now he, that's Jesus, said to them, that's the disciples, these are my words which I spoke to you while I was still with you, that all things which are written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures, that he said to them, thus it is written, that the Christ would suffer and rise again from the dead the third day, and that repentance for forgiveness of sins would be proclaimed in his name to all the nations, beginning... From Jerusalem, you are witnesses of these things. And behold, I'm sending forth the promise of my Father upon you, but you are to stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. Let's pray together. Father, we come to you in Jesus' name, and we're so grateful today for your grace in our lives. We're so grateful, Lord, for this privilege of gathering together and studying your word. And God, I pray that you would do what Jesus did for his disciples in this text. I pray that you would open our minds to understand the scriptures. Help us to, to grasp your truth and then take it and apply it to our lives so we can live for your glory. Lord, I pray that we would understand that your word is worth more than gold. That your word is sweeter than any honey from the honeycomb. Help us to understand, Lord, the value of your word and help us to crave your word. We'll thank you for that grace. Lord, establish my steps in your word today. And we ask and pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. The Gospel of Luke is an account of the life and ministry of Jesus Christ. We see in this Gospel that Jesus left the splendor and glory of heaven, came to earth and took on human flesh. He lived a perfect life and Jesus willingly went to the cross to die for us. You see, we have all sinned against God. We all deserve God's punishment that our sin deserves, but Jesus loves us so much that Jesus went to the cross to take our punishment for us. He became our substitute on the cross. And then after he died, he was buried, and on the third day, he rose from the grave. He defeated death itself, which shows us 
he is able to give us life beyond the grave. He's able to give us eternal life. And we see all that play out in the book of Luke. Well, after his resurrection, before he ascended back to heaven to sit at the right hand of the Father, we see him addressing the disciples. These are his last words, his marching orders for the disciples. He lays out for them their purpose for existence. He lays out for them the the power that they would need to get the job done. And then he gives them a plan, a specific plan about how they could move forward and change uh, the world. And so what I want to do today is I want to uh, make three observations about plans in general. And then I want to lay out for you as an individual and for our church a plan to advance God's kingdom in 2013. So let's just make some observations from the text about plans in general. First of all, plans need to make much of him. They need to make much of Jesus. Look what Jesus says in verse 46. He said to them, thus it is written that the Christ would suffer and rise again from the dead the third day, and that repentance for forgiveness of sins would be proclaimed in, watch this, in his name to all the nations. So Jesus says that he, that he would, he, he, that he died on the cross. The Bible predicted he would die on the cross. He, he would rise from the dead, and that's what happened. And then he said that the scriptures predicted that the gospel would go forth to all the nations, that people would hear the good news, turn from their sins, and be forgiven of their sins as they embraced Christ as Lord and Savior. And Jesus said, "This proclamation of the good news will be in my name, because forgiveness is only through me." Jesus is saying. I will be glorified as the gospel goes forth. People understand that I'm the way, the truth, and the life. So as we proclaim the good news, who gets the glory? The one the good news is about. The one who can actually forgive sins and change lives. Jesus gets the glory. As we proclaim the good news, it's to be in his name. It's all about Jesus. Now, we saw two weeks ago from Luke 24 that God's purpose for our lives is to glorify Christ with our worship and our witness. That's why we're here on this earth. That's why we're still here. God wants us to glorify Christ with our worship and our witness. And our plans need to line up with his purpose for our lives. I mean, if that's what God wants from our lives, if he wants us to glorify Christ, then as we put plans into place, our plans need to be to that end. We need to plan to glorify Christ with our lives. So the question becomes, for you and for me, do I have a passion to make much of Jesus? Do I have a passion to glorify Christ with my life? I'm reading a book on leadership right now by Albert Moeller, and in that book he talks about passion. He says passion, true passion, real passion, comes from real convictions. In other words, if you really believe something with all that you are, with every fiber of your being, you'll be passionate about that thing you believe. And so the question becomes, do we really believe that God's purpose for our life is to glorify Christ with our worship and our witness? If we really believe that, we really believe that's why we're here on this earth, then passion for that purpose will follow. There's a song, it's an older song now, but it's one of my favorite songs by Stephen Curtis Chapman. It's called Much of You. Listen to what he says in this song. The song goes, how could I stand here and watch the sun rise, follow the mountains where they touch the sky, ponder the vastness and the depths of the sea, and think for a moment the point of it all was to make much of me. In other words, as you go out and look at the created order, you say, 
all of this points me to something greater than myself. It points me to the Creator. I read it this morning in my Bible, Psalm 19. The heavens declare the glory of God. They pour forth speech, pointing our hearts to God. And so, Stephen Curtis Chapman says, as I look at the created order, I know it's not about me. It's about the Creator. And then the song goes on to say, and how can I kneel here and think of the cross, the thorns and the whip and the nails and the spear, the infinite cost, to purchase my pardon and bear all my shame, to think I have anything worth boasting in except for your name. And then the chorus goes like this, I want to make much of you, Jesus. I want to make much of your love. I want to live today to give you the praise that you alone are so worthy of. I want to make much of your mercy. I want to make much of your cross. And listen, I give you my life. Take it and let it be used to make much of you. Can you say that to God today? I give you my life. Take it and let it be used to make much of you. Are you ready to say to the Lord that you want the rest of your days to be used to make much of Christ? Is that the overarching passion of your life? You need to have a plan that makes much of Him. You decide to make your life about making much of Him, you will begin a journey adventure like no other. And so we're going to get to some specifics in a few moments, but before we get there, it's important to remember the big picture. Any plan that we put into place needs to make much of Jesus, right? And if you remember that big picture, it'll help you in the day-to-day living out of the plan. For example, as a parent, I know you've had the uh, experience of putting together something on Christmas Eve, right, for your kids. And, you know, there's some assembly required, right? And you you get in the midst of it, the instructions are unclear, there are pieces missing. It's just, you know, it's just a, a, a big deal to try to get that whatever thing together for your kid. And it's easy to get frustrated and to lose out of the big picture. What's the big picture? The big picture is your kid's going to wake up on Christmas morning, see the thing you put together, their face is going to light up, it's going to bless them. If you remember the end result, if you remember the big picture, it's easier to stay focused in the details, right? So as we talk about a plan, we want to stay focused on a specific plan for our lives and our church, but we must not forget the big picture. We must not forget that it's all about making a big deal about Jesus because he's the only one worthy of worship and the only one worthy of praise. Are you ready to say, I give you my life? Let it be used to make much of you. There's a second observation I want to make about plans. Every plan needs to make much of Jesus, but secondly, every plan has a starting point. Look what Jesus says. In verse 46, he says that repentance for forgiveness of sins would be proclaimed in his name to all the nations, beginning from Jerusalem. The Bible said that the gospel would go forth. But notice he says there, beginning from Jerusalem. It's going to go to all the nations, all the peoples of the earth. It's going to start in Jerusalem. In other words, the disciples had a starting place for their mission. Their starting place was the the area they were in, Jerusalem. That was the starting place for the impact they were to live out, beginning from Jerusalem. Any plan to advance should begin with where you are. Yes, we want to touch the ends of the earth, but that must begin with where we are, right? I mean, 
Wouldn't it be silly for us to try to touch the ends of the earth and not touch where God has us right now? Any plan to advance should begin with where you are. So ask yourself the following questions. Questions like this. Where do I live? God, his sovereignty, has me living somewhere. Maybe you live in Hernando or Olive Branch or South Haven or Lake Cormorant or Lewisburg or Coldwater or Senatobia or Memphis. You, you live somewhere in this area. God has you there for a reason. Maybe, just maybe, God wants you to make a difference where he has you living right now. Have you ever thought about you're living where you're living for a reason? God has a plan for your address? Ask yourself this question. Where do I work? Where does God have me employed right now? What do I do for a living? Could it be that God wants to use me to make a difference where I work? Young people, where do you go to school? Could it be that God wants to, wants to use you to make much of him in your school? Another good question is, how has God wired me? What am I passionate about? What am I good at? What do I enjoy? What interests me? What's my personality like? How's God wired me and shaped me? How could God use my individual life to make much of him? Another question is, who are my friends? Who's in my sphere of influence that I could impact with the gospel? That I could point towards Jesus Christ? Another question is, what are the spiritual needs of my family? A great starting point is, hey, what are the needs of my family? What, are my, what do my kids need? What does my spouse need? What uh, do my parents need or my grandparents need? Or what, you know, How can I impact my family for Christ? That's a starting point. God does not want us to march to the ends of the earth while ignoring the starting place, while ignoring our Jerusalem. So as you answer these questions, where do I live, where do I go to school, where do I work, how's God wired me? As you ask yourself those questions, God will show you precisely where he wants you to begin having an impact. I think sometimes we've, we've promoted this ethos in the church that the only people God uses are church staff members and missionaries. L listen to me. According to the Bible, we're all missionaries. We just live in different places and do different things to make a living, right? And God has you where he has you for a reason. And he wants you to begin to impact the world. He wants you to change the world starting with where you are right now. So every plan has a starting point. Third, a plan helps us to be intentional. What's the big deal about a plan? A plan helps us to be intentional. Look what Jesus says there in verse 48. He says the Bible predicted that Jesus would die on the cross, rise from the dead, and that repentance for forgiveness of sins would be proclaimed in his name to all the nations. Then he says, look in verse 48, you are witnesses of these things. You know what Jesus is doing there? Jesus is putting the ball of obedience in their court. You're the witnesses. You're the ones that are going to be proclaiming the good news. You're the ones that are going to be making much of me. You're the ones that are going to glorify me with your worship and your witness. It's in your court. And can I apply this to all of our lives in this room? If we have been touched by Jesus, if we've been changed by Jesus, if we've been forgiven by Jesus, if we've been saved by Jesus, we are now witnesses. The ball is in our court. And impact... Look there in your notes. Doesn't happen by accident. We need a plan to advance because impact doesn't happen by accident. 
if you feel like your life had little impact in 2012, listen to me, and then you do the same thing in 2013, guess what? Your life will have little impact in 2013. If your life had little impact in 2012, but you want to make a great impact, then something's got to change, right? You need to plan, you need to be intentional. Impact does not happen by accident. But here's the troubling reality. Too many people plan their lives in a detailed manner, but are haphazard about their spiritual lives. They're haphazard about that which is, which is most important. Some people put more thought into where they're going for lunch than they do into their walk with God. That's troubling, right? Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. Make sure your number one priority is to seek Christ and his kingdom. And then God will take care of the details. But we've got to plan our lives. We've got to have some intentionality because if we're not intentional, nothing's going to happen. Impact doesn't happen by accident. And so, what I want to do is, I want to suggest a plan for you and a plan for our church moving forward in 2013. A plan to help us to advance, a plan to help us to glorify Christ, a plan to help us make disciples, a plan to help us expand His kingdom across the street and around the world. I want to, uh, to lay out this plan for you and, and call you to be involved in this plan so we can be intentional about moving forward. So here's the the first part of this plan, there's three components to it. The first part is a personal discipleship plan. A personal discipleship plan. This plan, this part of the plan is about your personal spiritual growth in Christ. What I mean by that? Personal discipleship plan. So wait, what is, what's discipleship? What's a disciple? We, we throw that word around a lot. Let me give you just a... A good definition of a disciple. This comes from Jim Putman, pastor of Real Life Ministries Church in Post Falls, Idaho. He writes, A disciple of Jesus is someone who knows and follows Jesus, is being changed by Jesus, and is on mission with Jesus. That's what a disciple is. Someone that knows Christ is saved and is following him. Someone that is being changed by him. And someone that's on mission, serving him obediently. That's what a disciple is. So, Based upon that definition, are you a disciple? Are you a, a passionate, obedient follower of Christ? So wait, well, I'm really not where I want to be. How can I grow in that area? How can I become a more devoted follower of Christ? Let me give you some thoughts here. Personal discipleship plan. Number one, read your Bible devotionally. Read your Bible devotionally. That word devotionally is key. By that I mean you read your Bible not just to check a box. You, don't, you read your Bible not just to finish your Bible reading plan, even though Bible reading plans are important. You read your Bible primarily to spend time with Jesus, devotionally. And so it involves not just reading your Bible, it involves responding to God in prayer. You read your Bible, God speaks to you, and then you speak to Him through prayer. And there's this, this interaction between you and God. You're spending time with the Lord engaging him in your Bible. That's what I mean by reading your Bible devotionally. You see, many of us let busyness crowd out that time with the Lord, don't we? And this is not a new problem. As a matter of fact, if you go back to the Gospel of Luke, 
There's a story told in the Gospel of Luke about two sisters, one named Mary, one named Martha. Jesus comes to their house to visit, and so Martha is busy getting things ready for her guests. You know what Mary does? Mary goes and sits at the feet of Jesus to hear him teach. Well, Martha gets fed up. She's the only one getting the meal ready. She's the only one straightening up around the house. She gets fed up. Jesus, won't you tell her to get to work? And you know what Jesus said about Mary? Jesus said she's chosen the better thing. Even in the midst of business, it's important that you carve out time to sit at the feet of Jesus. Read your Bible. Let him speak to you as you read the Bible. Get a Bible reading plan. We, we're selling chronological Bibles. We've got Bible reading plans we can give you. Re, get a Bible reading. Read your Bible. Engage God in the text as he speaks into your life. Then you talk to him about what you've read. Pray and let him have his way in your life. You know, I start thinking about vision sermons in the previous year. So in 2012, I was thinking about what I was going to say to you in 2013. As I was kind of thinking about what I wanted to say to you in 2013... There's so many things. I mean, my mind was just filled with things I wanted to say to you, things that were important to emphasize and look at and consider. But then I came to this conclusion. Here's the conclusion I came to. If you will just read your Bible, God will say everything that you need to hear in order to glorify Him. Right? I mean, it's impossible for me to cover all the bases. But if you'll read the Bible, God will cover all the bases in your life. Right? But you've got to read your Bible. I came across... This uh, article written by Tom Rayner about the ideal church member. Tom Rayner interviewed 23 pastors. Now, I wasn't one of them. He didn't call me. But anyway, he interviewed 23 pastors about the ideal church member. And here's a quote from one of the pastors about the ideal church member. This pastor said, I can't ever remember a member who read the Bible daily who became a challenge in the church. He went on to say, it just seems like people in the Word don't act like people in the world. Good Word, isn't it? You say, but wait, I read through the Bible last year. We'll read through it again in 2013. Wear out your Bible, amen? Have you heard the, the, the quote that, that a Bible that's falling apart probably belongs to someone whose life is not? Read your Bible devotionally. Spend time with Jesus in the Word of God. Sit at His feet. Let Him speak to you. And you speak to Him in prayer. That is so important. It is key for your spiritual growth. Read your Bible devotionally. Here, let me give you a second thing about personal discipleship. Secondly, invest in a connect group to grow as a disciple and make disciples. Invest in a connect group to grow as a disciple and make disciples. Connect groups are the names... Uh, our Connect Group is a name given to our small group ministry. We have Connect Groups that meet on campus here in our building on Sunday mornings, 8 o'clock, 9, 30, 11. We have Connect Groups that meet in homes on Sunday nights, Monday nights, Tuesday nights, and Thursday nights. We've got all sorts of different Connect Group opportunities uh, in the life of our church. And Connect Group is a small group of people that get together, study the Word, fellowship, encourage one another, and reach out to others. That's what connect groups are all about. You say, wait, why, why the focus on small groups? What, what, what's the big deal? Why do you say this all the time? We've heard this sermon before. We've heard you talk about connect groups. Listen to me. We talk a lot about small groups because that's the method that Jesus used to change the world. Think about it. How did Jesus change the world? He got a small group of men together. He trained them, equipped them, 
prepared them, encouraged them, held them accountable, sent them out so that when Jesus Christ was no longer physically upon the earth, the disciples, that small group of men, they were ready to go to the ends of the earth with the good news, and Acts says they turned the world upside down. Now listen to me. If that's what Jesus did, shouldn't we consider doing that too? How arrogant to say, okay, that's what Jesus did, but we think we've got a better way. <laughs> no. We need to stop asking the question, what would Jesus do? And ask the question, what did Jesus do? Jesus changed the world through small groups. And we just believe that if we can get you in a small group, if you invest in a small group, and I know it's not easy to walk into a room of people you don't know real well or a house, a home of people that you don't know real well, but if we can get you in that small group, if you'll plug in and let God use it in your life, we believe you'll be encouraged around the fellowship of the Word, learning God's Word together. You'll be ministered to. You'll be able to minister to others. You'll be held accountable. You'll be encouraged to make a difference in the world. There's a dynamic that happens in that small group where you grow in your maturity in Christ and you have opportunities to help others grow in their maturity in Christ. So invest in a connect group to grow as a disciple and make disciples. We believe that everyone should be in a connect group. We want to move you towards a connect group because it is in that small group environment that you will grow in your faith and help others to grow in their faith. Invest in a connect group. Third, I want to ask you to expectantly, and underline the word expectantly, expectantly attend our upcoming revival. February 24th through 27th, we're going to have a revival here at our church. Sunday night, Monday night, Tuesday night, Wednesday night, starting at 6 p.m. every night, right here in this room. And we're setting aside that time as a, as a faith family, and we're saying, God, we want you to do something significant in our lives. We want you to change us. We want you to transform us. We want you to work in our lives. Now, you and I both know, just because you write revival on a calendar doesn't mean you're going to have a revival. But what we're saying is, God, we want you to send revival. We want you to change our lives. I want to ask you to do something that, that's really unusual in this day and time. I want to ask you to block out four days for Jesus and say, I will make it a priority to be at revival and ask God to speak into my life. I'm going to make it a priority to be there. My goal is every night, every service, we have a full house standing room only. That's my goal. And come expectant. Ask God to prepare your heart. Ask God to speak into your life. Ask God to, to do something in your family. Ask God to do something in you. Expectantly attend our upcoming revivals. That's, a, that's just a very simple personal discipleship plan. Some ways you can grow in 2013. Now, let me give you the second part of our advanced plan. The second part is what I call a bold multiplication plan. A bold multiplication plan. Here's what I mean by that. I mean every connect group starting a new connect group. I want to call every connect group to start a new connect group. Now when I say that immediately, I can just sense people going, oh no. I'm in my connect group. We really like each other. We're getting along good. We like our teacher. Man, it's just great. And here comes Wade or here comes Frank saying, we want to split your group. Right? We've heard for years in church, oh, they want to split our class, right? Listen to me. That is not what I'm saying. 
I'm not talking about splitting. I'm talking about multiplying. There's a huge difference. Multiplying is when you have a spirit-filled class that's loving folks. Reaching out to unchurched people, inviting them to come to your connect group. Calling prospects that are on your ministry list. Calling each other during the week. Spending time with each other during the week. Checking on each other. Living life together. And as you do that with the power of the Spirit in your midst, you will grow to the point where you won't have any more room. And when you run out of room, you got to do something, right? What should you do? Multiply. Start a new class. Meet in a new home. Multiply. I'm not asking you to split. I'm asking you to let the power of the Spirit work in your connect group. And I'm asking you to to do your due diligence. Reach out to folks. Make some phone calls. Send text messages. Send emails. Follow up with folks. And see what God does. And you might be amazed at how quickly God will fill up your class. And you'll be forced to do something, a good something for the glory of God. Amen? And so... The first part of our multiplication plan is that every connect group starts a new connect group. So when you get together in your connect group, talk about it. Hey, what do we need to do to, 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 to do ministry and reach out and make a difference and touch lives so that God can grow our class to the point we need to multiply? But a second part of this bold multiplication plan is this. We're going to plant a church this year. We're working with Gregory Williams, his wife Sharina. He's been an intern in our church. She's Folks, you know, where God wants him to plant a church, and when he plants a church, we're going to help him with that and, and support him in that and encourage them in that. We're planting a church in 2013. We're also praying that God would raise up another intern for us to bring on board so we can plant another church in 2014. So we're just planting churches that plant churches that plant churches. I met with John Allen uh, May this week. He's our church planter in uh, Lewisburg. He planted, he's the lead pastor of East Point Church, and we started that church uh, in end of January of 2012. And so he was reporting to me how they were doing, and they had about 53 people in worship this past Sunday. Praise the Lord, right? It's good stuff. And they had in their community groups that meet at night in homes, they had 53 folks in community groups. That's a good ratio, isn't it? That would be like, we have about 700 maybe on a good Sunday, 700 plus people in worship. That would mean all 700 being be in a, in a connect group. Wow. Come on, making Frank's day. That would make Frank's day, all right? It's a neat ratio. So they're growing in a very healthy way. Their people are, are connecting and, and, and growing together. And, and it's really neat to see. They had a young man saved last week. They're getting ready to baptize him. They, John said, we need to borrow your, borrow your baptistry. And so some neat things are happening as we plant churches. And we're going to keep doing that by God's grace. Lord willing, we're going to start new churches that start new churches and start new churches for the glory of God. Now, that's our bold multiplication plan, but there's one final component of this advanced plan I want to give you for 2013. We've talked about personal discipleship, we've talked about multiplication, but third, I want to lay out for you a giving plan. A giving plan. The end of last year, our church voted to expand this current facility. So basically what we're going to do is we're going to break out the wall on the south side of this room. And we're going to build in a stage area, over 2,000 square feet, that will uh, allow us to move our instruments and everything up on the stage and choir up on the stage. And it will allow us to use this entire floor for seats. It will change our seating capacity from about 450 chairs in this room to about 790 chairs in this room by the way we configure it and, and all of that. And so it gives us much more space for growth. 
And see, we're making room in our worship center for more people because as we advance, we want to begin with our Jerusalem, right? Every plan has a starting point. So we want to start saying, okay, no matter how many short-term mission trips we go on all around the world, no matter how many churches we start, we've got to realize there are still thousands of people within a five-mile radius that are unchurched and lost and need a touch from us. And one way, not the only way, but one way we can begin to impact our local communities by providing more space for worship. So we voted to do that, and uh, we're working on that already, uh, getting the plans in place, architect and builder and, and engineers, and, and there's been meetings taking place. We ought to see some things happening very, very quickly. Maybe in February we'll start to see some things happen as machinery is brought on campus and all that. It's going to be exciting to, to go through that process. Hopefully we'll be through by the summer. But it costs about half a million dollars, $500,000. That's our budget for the project. That includes the 2,000 square foot plus expansion. It includes new chairs. Uh, it includes video, lights, sound, those sorts of things. We have a good aesthetic for our worship services. You're going to love it when it's completed. I Trust me, you'll, you'll, you'll love it. But it's $500,000, half a million dollars. That's a lot of money, right? It's a lot of money. And our goal, if you look there in your notes is to pay off this project within the first quarter of 2014. So we're not just going to borrow the money and say, all right, let's just hope things go well. We're going we're gonna to intentionally, remember a plan helps should be intentional, we're going to intentionally attack that debt and try to pay off this project by the first quarter, the end of the first quarter of 2014. They say, wait, $500,000, that's a lot of money. That's a lot. How are we going to do that? Well, I did some math, my trusty iPhone calculator, all right? And... $500,000 divided by 62 weeks, that's a year and a little bit more going through the first quarter of 2014, breaks down to $8,065 a week. So, if our church gives $8,065 a week over and above our regular giving, we'll be able to pay off that $500,000 project in a little over a year. Okay, you said, wait, that's $8,000 a week, that's a lot of money. Well, I did some more math. If you take $8,065 and divide it among 300 people, conservative estimate, we have 300 people that can give in this church, all right? That's a conservative number. If you divide that among 300 people, it comes out to $27 per person per week. So it begins to look a little bit more manageable, and if you break that down even by day, that's less than $4 a day, all right? So it becomes, it becomes something that maybe we can, maybe if we all do our part, we can get there, and we can really attack uh, this uh, debt. Let me tell you about debt retirement campaigns at Longview Point Baptist Church. All right, I want to fill you in on this. At our church, to raise money for debt, we haven't done a debt retirement campaign in years, but when we do this, we don't bring in an outside consultant pay them thousands of dollars to figure out how to get money out of your pockets. I'm not disparaging churches that do that. That's how some churches do it. We don't do it like that. I feel like the best way for us to raise money is for you to hear it from me. I'm your pastor, and I just tell you the need, and then we just go after it. That's it. That's, that is our debt retirement campaign, okay? So I'm, I'm, I'm going to tell you the need. Here it is. We're going after it, trying to pay off $500,000. That's our goal, $500,000 within a little over a year. And if we gave $27 a week, we could get there as individuals. That's the plan. Now let's go for it and see what God does. That's our, that's our debt retirement campaign. No banquets, all right? No one's going to knock on your door this week with a, a, a pledge card for you to sign. None of that. I'm saying, here's the goal, let's go after it. Now, I understand that $27 a week is still a lot of money. I don't, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not downplaying that 
Times are tough right now. I know that payroll taxes have been rolled back. Less money's in your paycheck than it was in 2012. I understand that's going on. But I'm, I'm confident that if we begin to look at our lives and begin to look at places we might could save some money here and there, we could come up with $27 a week. For my family, $27 a week is just a, a night out to eat, right? Because my family's grown. Family of five now, it, it's going to cost us $27 plus to eat out. I used to go to Me Pueblo and eat for under 20 bucks. But now we got little ones, they always want cheese dip, and it just gets out of control, right? The other night we went to uh, Outback, and uh, after the meal we ordered a chocolate thunder down under. Can I get a witness? And we got this dessert, and we got one dessert with five spoons, all right? I didn't eat any of it. Claire got two small bites, and our three kids were like piranhas. I mean, they, in a matter of minutes, devoured that dessert. And I said to Claire, we're going to start getting two desserts. I mean, it's expensive to eat out nowadays, right? So if we just started to look, maybe we could save some money here, maybe we could save some money here, and just begin to be strategic and intentional, maybe... We could pay $27 a week towards this debt retirement campaign. So over and above your regular giving, I'm asking you to consider giving $27 more toward the advance campaign. Now, if you look there in your bulletin or the little giving box, we used to have a line for debt retirement, a line for building fund. We've combined those. It's, just, it's called the advance fund now. It all goes into the same place anyway. So when you give, designate how much you want to give to the advance fund. And it will go directly to that fund. Some of you can give more than $27. If, if that's the case, go for it. But designate it to the advance fund, and we'll see what God begins to do in the life of our church. That's a giving plan for our church. And so here's our plan for 2013. Personal discipleship, personal spiritual growth, multiplication, starting a new connect group, starting new churches, and then let's attack this debt so we can get that paid down and, 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 and move forward as a family of faith, a giving plan. Now, I read a story this past week about a French aerialist named Charles Blondin. You know what an aerialist is? An aerialist is one of these folks that walks across tightropes. And Charles Blondin was probably the most well-known aerialist that's ever lived. He lived in the 19th century, 1800s. He was the first man that walked across a tightrope uh, across Niagara Falls. So apparently to be an aerialist, you have to be a little bit unbalanced, okay? Because he attempted to walk across Niagara Falls on a rope, all right? Not only did he walk across Niagara Falls on a rope, he walked across Niagara Falls on stilts. And not only did he walk across Niagara Falls on stilts, he walked across Niagara Falls with a chair, balanced the chair in the middle of the falls on that rope, on that wire, and stood on the chair. Not only did he do that, he walked across blindfolded. Not only did he do that, one time he went across Niagara Falls on that rope with a little small oven. He cooked himself an omelet in the middle of the rope and ate it and then walked across the other side. This guy was crazy, right? Well, in September 1860, the Prince of Wales was in attendance for one of his exhibitions. And on that day, Blondin carried his manager, a man named Harry Colcord, across Niagara Falls on that wire, piggyback style. He got the other side, and the Prince of Wales was horrified. He begged Blondin not to do it again. It was just too scary to watch. Please don't do that again. And so 
blonde and said to the Prince of Wales, he said, do you believe, Prince, that I could carry you across the falls in a wheelbarrow? The Prince of Wales said, well, yeah, I do believe you could do that. And Blondin said, well, get in. And the Prince of Wales left the premises quickly. Now, let me ask you a question. Do you believe that God can really use your life and use your connect group and use your church to make much of Jesus in 2013? Do you believe God can really use us to see lives transformed by the gospel? You believe that? If you believe that, get on board. Let's let God grow us personally. Let's let God multiply ministry here at Longview Point. And let's attack this debt together, get this building built, this addition built, and let's reach out to this community and to this world and share Jesus and make a difference. By God's grace, together, may we advance in 2013.